0: So thank you for coming on today thanks well, for thank having you. me it's been a bit of a bit of a hard track to get you on but we finally got you on and yeah it's great to have you here
1: yeah thank you thanks very much yeah sorry it's obviously the time difference between the the yeah, uk it's and always hard really hard.
0: but yeah well would you like to just introduce yourself maybe talk to your background as a industrial as a automotive designer and talk to the the organizations you've worked for in the past
1: yeah sure so yeah my name is Saurabh Shah. it's yeah, uh, a very Indian name. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm born and bred in the UK, but uh, my parents insisted. My mum rather insisted on in a very Indian name. So my dad actually wanted to call me Sean, but uh, would have been would have been easier. But so you know, most people in the industry just know me by Shah, just my surname. Um, and uh, but anyway, yeah, I was uh, I was well, 14, I think, when uh, when I when I figured out that you could be a, a car designer you know as a you could do that as a career path you know that basically blew my mind um but uh but anyway fast forward you know I've worked at uh, um some 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 major OEMs like uh, Volkswagen started my career off at uh, a small agency in Italy called Aziste um which uh, we did some projects with Lamborghini there um and then moved into uh, Volkswagen design in Germany I've uh, worked for Ford McLaren um, Jaguar Land Rover and uh, yeah, a whole host of companies. I'm currently at uh, Zika, uh, Lincoln called Co. Zika. Cool. So, yeah,
0: you're living every kid's dream. I uh, yeah, I'm
1: living the kid every, that...
0: every boy's yeah. dream. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my. I remember my uh, my room? The the wall in front of my desk was like filled with just drawings of and posters of cars and that's awesome. You know, uh, all kinds. Of yeah.
0: Uh, so uh, it's funny like i feel like when you're a kid, when you're young you have these kind of passions for automotive like i used to have like mccarrons all over my walls when i was a kid my friend used to sit there all day at school just sketching cars but like a lot yeah. of these dreams just get kind of lost and like a lot of people think you can't make a career out of it but it's great you really yeah. you really did it so.
1: yeah well you know it's it it's i mean i don't even know because it's it's unlikely sometimes you know like the chances of doing it mm. like you know, growing up the way you grow up and and from a family which actually doesn't have anything to do with cars, you know, Mm. come from a very normal family, you know, no sort of classic cars or anything like that. Just uh, I think from a very early age, my parents and especially my brother, who's actually here as well, um, was always like, look, just follow your dream, like follow what you want to do. was never this pressure of you have to be Whatever you have to be a doctor, you have to study, you know, finance or whatever. It was like, okay, you're good at this. You you want you enjoy this. We'll go and do it, you know, and mm. we'll we'll figure it out somehow.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a good way to live. I think you can get very consumed in trying to make a career out of things that you're not necessarily passionate about and trying to make mo- like just make money, like go for the goal of money. But if you go for the goal of finding something that you're really interested in, definitely in these like creative fields, I feel like you end up a lot more satisfied at the end yeah mm. yeah
1: yeah absolutely i think uh if you if you just let your natural talents flow then you'll find your path and a lot of people worry about i think a lot of people worry about money they they worry about sort of instagram success and all this kind of stuff nowadays and and they forget that actually what's most meaningful is you know what's really personal to you you know in the end of the day as long as you're happy doing whatever it is that you want to do
0: yeah yeah definitely um. So, just to move on from that, can you discuss how motive design has changed, how automotive design has changed over the years, and how, um, how you have adapted these changes into your into your professional practice? Maybe talk to the role of technology in shaping automotive design, um, and how designers have balanced functionality over aesthetics in creating new vehicles.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you know, <laughs> yeah. To answer your, the first part of that question, with regards to. Uh, how automotive design has has changed um let's say from a studio perspective when i started uh, in 2011 10 11, we were you know we were using sort of uh, nerves modeling and but it but it was very com- or it was very much compartmentalized like you were either a designer yeah. uh, of exteriors or interiors uh, you were either a clay modeler or you were a, th- a digital digital modeler right or you were doing CMF or whatever, but but it was very compartmentalised. There wasn't... uh, There weren't very many YouTube tutorials. You know, there weren't all these online design schools and mentorship programmes that we have now. It was a very... It was a very unknown um, industry, probably right up until, let's say, yeah, about five, seven, seven to five years ago, where Instagram really started... People really started taking to Instagram posting the sketches and letting the wider world know that, that there was this whole other world of, of design that wasn't products or mm. industrial or fashion, you know, not that they are any less of an industry, but they're probably more widely known. Mm. Um, and then that sort of that's evolved. And then as, as that's evolved as well, the tools that we use have changed. So, you know, and in my sort of early to mid, mid-30s now and you know you're you're constantly working with young designers and 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 younger people and you're always learning like it's so important to reinvent yourself constantly Mm. like we can't just survive using one tool like we're using you know we're using blender we're using unreal i i sit there and teach myself after my working day you know after i've done my mentorship calls and all that kind of stuff i'm sitting there learning blender and how to render on it how to do this and that and the other you know poly modeling like now 100 we're using poly modeling right the way up until some in some instances pre-release surfaces Mm. you know so that wasn't the case even a few years ago like what did you use uh, instead
0: of poly modeling it was all sculpting it was
1: all it was all um alias Ah, nerves okay yeah yeah Yeah, it was all all alias nerves modeling um yeah with with clay, so we do. Clay I've never
0: even used Alias because it's not really like necessarily used in industrial zone, um, as much. Yeah, but but yeah, it's more you like guys, um, with, free flow. Is like more Rhino
1: is it Fusion? 360? We use Rhino
0: Fusion, um, works, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like more like polygonal stuff like Blender, but it's pretty rare. It's more that's more if you're just doing like, kind of um, just just for like th- like I like kind of reimagining the idea, but for actually manufacturing, generally you have to use SolidWorks oh. or Rhino or things like that so
1: yeah yeah so you know so so you know your question with you know how automotive design has changed i mean so from a studio perspective the tools Mm. have changed massively from a technology point of view it's changed massively like clay has not gone away and i I believe clay will never go away i i hope it never goes away because we always need to have that human touch you know to such a
0: cool aspect of automotive design like i watched some videos about that it's just crazy like how still to this day there's just massive clay models of cars out there that cost like like hundreds of grand to make it's just awesome how they still do it like uh they really like connect with their roots in that field Mm. it's
1: a it's a yeah and the thing is like when when you've been seeing this thing on screen and you've been seeing it on 2d or you've seen it on the power wall or whatever but you see the clear model you know or you you have multiple themes and you put them out into the viewing garden and and you've got the DinoCon, they've got all the sort of dress up and everything on there. And you see mm. like two or three themes that you guys have been working on for X amount of months, you know, and they've been presented and beautifully finished by by the clay modelers, you know, and that in itself is is, is a craft that takes years to yeah. master, you know, but but once you have those there, that's when it's really, you're like, oh, wow, you know, that's what it looks like. You know, this mm. is now gone from the screen to the actual real world, mm. you know, so that fact is really important. But um, you know, sadly, some of those aspects, some companies have reduced the the clay process, uh, and it's been taken over by you know VR and yeah. you know virtual reality and and even augmented reality in some cases. You know, people are experimenting with that, and now we're um, suddenly everyone's playing with with artificial intelligence and and sort of whole mid journey things. So the tools are always going to evolve, but. Um, uh, and so then that's that's from a studio perspective and then i'll get i mean if your question was more about how automotive design has changed how the car has evolved i don't know um i guess that's just a case of again lifestyle changes you know people's requirements needs have changed over time yeah you know that's that's a whole other thing humans
0: love innovation nothing can ever stay the same
1: yeah i mean they they do and they don't you know i i'm i'm Lusting after uh, a nineteen sixties Lancia Fulvia, you know. Uh, I still love the sixties and seventies muscle cars, you know. With, with I really just... like old
0: old stuff as well. I agree. I think like, oh, old... this is one of my questions later on. I feel like old design is is arguably like, it's just it's just so nice on the it's so like soft on the eyes in a lot of ways. Mm. And I feel like, is like that that's why something... you've got that vintage camera there on top of your books. Yeah, yeah, vintage camera. Where's my light? Same camera. The same
1: camera that I've got right here
0: oh yeah what do yeah. you
1: got that's an um olympus om10 oh yeah from,
0: they're really I good i think 1982 this, 1950s nice. leica Oof. well i better of, put my i can't beat i can't beat
1: that, can't yeah. beat that.
0: <laughs> but this this like this thing is legit it's what like 70 years old and it still works but, but like, it's got weight to it right it's it's not even that heavy to be honest, and like it's so oh, simple. But I think,
1: as in, you've got you've there's a, there's a tactility to it. There's a yeah. Weight the, whole to it.
0: Is, the whole thing is the whole thing just made of metal.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, you like you feel no the the robustness of it. Yeah, you know, and, and I think you can't replace that feeling with plastic.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, there's something about, you know. So if you if you get into uh, not the the current the brand new Mustang, but the the 2018. Um, refreshed model uh, and even the 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 s550 mustang mm. they they really did a good job with you know having these flick these toggle switches mm. you know for the, for the hazard lights and for some of the controls and stuff and there was there was a really a nice feeling you know when you sit in the lights and you just flick the switch to to switch your mode yeah. you can't do it for material but they just purposely had this kind of vintage really nice feeling machine kind mm. of switch stick click you know it makes that clicking sound as well yeah i think i I, I don't think that should ever go away like i know these teslas have massive iPads. i really don't
0: like the concept of like how now with, with modern cars like teslas for example they're just removing everything and it's just you have one screen like i understand the idea it's very futuristic and you know but like you lose from like a user experience perspective you lose that that like kind of connection with the with the with the car to the human. It's also, I mean, yeah. my opinion is kind of dangerous because, like before, yeah, I can just well. yeah
1: without taking my eyes off the road, I can I know what flick flick yeah. what, what switch to to press or whatever, mm. and I'm just like, oh cool. yeah, the heater's on or heater's off or AC or whatever. Yeah. Uh, now you just got this smooth screen and you don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, it's 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 um, risky. Even with even with like cameras, like I I like how this camera's got all knobs and everything is you can do everything on the camera. Modern day yeah. cameras, there's like, you have to do most of the things in the screen with a lot of smaller cameras, like all yeah. there's like, you press this knob and then you have to change to multiple things. Like this is too much to do. Yeah. So like, yeah. I feel like that's like the, I don't know. I feel like in a way design has kind of gone too far in that aspect. Like they're trying to like minimal, make everything so minimal that you lose yeah. the user experience aspect of it. And it's just kind of this, yeah. like this, you know, jagged,
1: <laughs> jagged
0: device that's not particularly easy to use.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, i mean it's personal taste, isn't it? Yeah. But um that that's you know, that's how automotive design, I guess, is evolving and but mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens as as time goes on. You think it um, might move back
0: to some degree to like that more controls and things like that?
1: I think you know, I think I think that always happens. Like there's yep. always this case of like new technology lets everyone get on board and it goes to a point and then it starts winding back a little bit to a point where people feel happy. There's yeah. you know, there's a point where people feel like, okay, this is where we need to be with it. You know, this is where we need to kind of like sit with that technology, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's that's the kind of sweet spot. Right now we're in this massive experimental stage. I mean, car design right now is is insane. I mean, the industry right now is crazy with with yeah excitement i mean everyone's excited like there's all these projects kicking off and, and all these new cars coming out and you know like technologies that are you know being played with and, and stuff and um sorry as i said i'm just having a cigar so hope, Would hopefully you not to- you will be offended by that but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know and and um so you know it's just it's a great time to be in car design right no. now you know we're, yeah. we're just playing with a lot of technologies you know and and experimenting with what we can do and not just powertrain not just electric you know but mm. but also what electric can enable you know mm. so yeah we don't know it, that and that's that's what design is all about it's about not knowing it's about mm. the design journey of enjoying that
0: Constant evolution as well. I feel like is
1: yeah evolution as well. Like yeah. finding solutions which you might not have been looking for. You mm. know, you're trying to design X, but you end up finding something else on that design journey. You know, yeah. And I think that that process is very important, which is something I try to explain to, you know, the guys and girls on my on my mentorship program that like show the process. Like I see so many portfolios. I saw a portfolio just the other day, you know, and it was like everything was finished everything was super perfect and polished mm. and i'm like i want to i want to see your thoughts like how do you think this doesn't tell me about your personality I, like i want to know like what are those little cool little doodles that you're doing you know yeah and they're so important to bring out and and to show because that's where your personality is
0: mm. Yeah. You know yeah no i i like well, i graduated uni and you know, form my portfolio. And like recently I've gone back and started working on it because I realized that I, yeah, I, w- I just wasn't telling a particular narrative by it. Like each project was kind of static and, you know, got to the conclusion quite quickly and didn't really have much of a story behind it. So I've gone back and I feel like, like that's like one thing that a lot of graduates kind of miss out on is that like narrative that portfolio tells because like ultimately each each um, project in the portfolio is meant to communicate some sort of message to the employer, like whether that's mm. like this specific skill you're trying to show off or the process right. that you follow, things like that. But if you don't have the narrative, it's just, you're not really gonna easily communicate it because they're not gonna sit there and read all these words to understand it. They wanna visually see it as well. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But yeah, you know, we're designers and, and ultimately our communication tool is drawing, you know, our core communication tool is, is drawing, you know. Yeah. Um and and you know if you if you can't do that successfully or you can't show that, then mm. nobody's gonna understand how you think, how you got there. Mm. You
0: know. So
1: exactly.
0: yeah. Uh exploring <laughs> the guests, uh from for an ideation and final production process, um, would you like to discuss the importance of collaboration um in your in your field specifically? Because I know in industrial design it's very collaborative field is it the same automotive design or is it more of like a hide in your office kind of thing and come up with amazing ideas
1: no massively collaborative like yeah hugely collaborative we have you know really energetic teams um and and you know even even guys that have been around and, and you know people that have been around for you know i don't know 20 25 30 years in the industry are still very young at heart you know Mm. and that's what I love like I can sit there and have a conversation with somebody who's you know a senior manager or a chief or whatever and you know they've they've still got that sparkle in the eye that they love the industry yeah you know and and so we 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 sit down together as a team you know and that whole everybody contributes everyone contributes to it so yeah collaboration is a huge huge factor Mm. and in 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 at work you know in the studio and also outside as well you know it's very important that you know we we do go out together you know from time to time and you know uh do team building things i know that kind of sounds corny like team building things but like even if you just go go go-karting you know Mm. or whatever you know go for some drinks or whatever yeah
0: it helps you to
1: yeah so
0: Mm. yeah no i think it's really it's really amazing the design industry like People are just so passionate about their work. Like you talk to, you talk to people from other fields, and like obviously there would be some fields that are the same, but I think a lot of fields you talk to that they're kind of like, oh yeah, I used to really enjoy it, but now I don't really. In the mortgage
1: industry or something.
0: Well, even even more even things like I I don't want to really, I don't really want to mention specifically what it was, but like my friend he's been working in this field which he really really loved for years, and then kind of recently has come to the point where he doesn't really like it anymore and kind of has become like bitter about it whereas like i've spoken to so many like on this podcast and even just through union stuff i've spoken to so many people who've been in the industry for like 20 30 years maybe even more and you can see still to this day they're just so passionate about it
1: yeah yeah yeah. because there's always something new like Mm. every single design journey is new you know you're always looking and 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 you know something i I actually going back to, to collaboration um i've connected obviously connected with yourself via linkedin and um, mm. But I've connected with with some really interesting people uh, on mm. LinkedIn on other sides of the world that was unlikely that we would have ever, ever crossed cross paths yeah. uh, if it weren't for LinkedIn. And we've had some great conversations and and potential future projects that that might kick mm. off from it um, without any intentions at all, just just through a conversation. We're like, actually, that that could be quite cool. You know, I mean, maybe mm. we should try it out. You know, or mm. let's just kind of you know just see what happens put some ideas together um so i th- I think the whole digital thing you know connectivity and all that really plays a part as well in in, mm. in collaboration yeah. and then that was, that goes hand in hand with yeah being passionate and youthful about and you know about the industry you know and, and always having a sense of excitement about the project that you're working on
0: yeah no i, I definitely think i like i started basically using linkedin probably a year ago um, and like I would recommend to any graduate or you know student designer to get into it while they're while are young start building that network because like even with the podcast I've made I've connected with so many people around the world now and it's like these are contacts that I will keep you know forever like it's basically like a database yeah. of my network you're and, building
1: relationships
0: yeah you're building relationships it's
1: about building relationships you know mm-hmm. so
0: and everyone's so friendly on LinkedIn as well like <laughs> you know what I mean? like even sometimes I'll reach out to you know the big fish of the design scene, and most of them are yeah. really friendly and just happy to you know chat, yeah,
1: yeah, mm. yeah, I've found exactly the same thing um a lot of support in the industry, you know, yeah, despite what you might think um coming in as a young you know as a young designer or as a graduate designer, you might feel a little bit intimidated, but honestly like i've worked I've worked in in multiple countries. You know, wherever I've landed, I've just made friends and it's yeah. been awesome. It's been so good. You know, and, mm. um, I, w- I wouldn't change that at all.
0: I think there's a bit of a, a bit of like a, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in Australia, there's like a bit of a gap between like graduates and industry. Like the, mm-hmm. um, even just like from like a relationship perspective, like a lot of graduates feel like they don't really know that many people in industry and like they don't have any really idea what industry is like um that's why kind of why I started the podcast so like you could so we could kind of remove that barrier a bit and people could just talk to I mean could could see conversations with um you know people from all around the world in in those kind of professional fields um yeah and like I feel like a lot of people have like responded well to it like a lot of graduates message me and they really enjoy just like talking to the people or, like seeing conversations with the people that they look up to because I feel like it kind of removes that like that barrier like they're like oh that's just the normal person I could be like that person one day if I work hard you know whereas like if you don't see a conversation with them you just think of that person as like on this on this pedestal as like they're you know you're never really going to get there kind of thing
1: yeah yeah Mm. yeah and so you know that interaction with people but exactly it's as soon as soon as you interact and put yourself forward you know and speak to people yeah barriers are brought down and then you realize actually how accessible people are and how friendly Mm. people actually are Mm, exactly yeah yeah that that um so you're you're an industrial designer yeah, right?
0: industrial design, yeah yeah yeah. Well, no. it, graduate it is, industrial designer, a, so. graduate, yeah well you know
1: graduate doesn't matter it's still industrial design right yeah, so, yeah um you know so like is that do you see the similarity as well like the it's, in, it's interesting
0: because like I've, i'm trying to br- branch out of it i'm trying to you know get more people from all different fields of design because i really feel like we all have the same kind of like we all have the same passion really so it's very easy to communicate yeah. like it doesn't really matter what you're designing you're still a designer kind of thing Um, but specifically, like, I think I was going to talk to you about this in Australia, we have a very, a much smaller market than you do overseas. Um, and Mm -hmm. for that reason, we don't have as many like specialized designers. So like, I'd say you're probably more of a specialized designer because you specialize in automotive design. Like some people in Australia design like vehicles, but they're not automotive designers. They're just industrial designers. Right. Um, whereas you're, you specifically design vehicles and, and and work in the automotive industry. um so here we have like generally more generalized designers we have some there would be automotive designers but there's a lot less need for someone who's that specialized here Mm -hmm. um but yeah but it's really quite interesting because i have a lot of friends like who are specifically interested in automotive design but i think they struggle to find like a job in australia for that for just working as that Mm -hmm. but is it you're you're saying there's a lot of opportunities overseas for it
1: yeah i mean it depends where you sell overseas um Yeah, i mean europe asia you know obviously you're australian and you're closer to to asia than yeah. than we are right yeah. so you know i mean japan's an amazing place to work i did my internship in japan i would recommend anyone to even go and visit japan yeah you know if you have a spare two to three weeks um go go and check it out man japan's an awesome yeah, place. It looks it's amazing it looks underrated. like i know so many people that go traveling to asia i like, am hey, going traveling to travel asia Oh, are gonna? I'm gonna go to Thailand. I'm going go to Indonesia. I'm gonna go, I was like, you're gonna go to Japan. They're like, what's in Japan? Like, like, no, seriously, like, you need to go to Japan. It's so good.
0: Japan is the first on my list in Asia. Huh? Japan's the first yeah. on my list.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's probably because you're from Australia and you you know you're know more know more about it. But like, Maybe, yeah, people, you know, like a lot a lot of my friends and and you know acquaintances have traveled to 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 Asia. They've they've been everywhere else except for Japan. And I'm just like. Like you need to go there. It's such a cool place, and and like your brain cells buzz with ideas. I don't know what it is, something in the water or what, but like your brain cells buzz with ideas when you're there. It's just such an influential environment, you know. Mm. Uh, such a cool place to be as well. You know, if you're especially if you're a designer. Um, I've got you know I've got um books from Kenyahara uh, and uh, and some Japanese architects. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of Kenyahara. Um, he's a Japanese industrial designer, um, and like some of his design philosophies are, are amazing. And um, you've got, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some Japanese architects. Um, the mind, the name escapes my mind at the moment, but they're just on another level. You know, they do things their way, completely different to anyone else. They've got their own distinct style, uh, and I think it also comes through in the automotive design. So if you go to Japan as an automotive designer, you're going to see cars there, which aren't available anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, and some of the technologies that are in the car and design solutions that are in the car, just wacky, just very specific to their domestic market, which is Mm -hmm. so unique, you know, and I think it's really important as a designer also to travel to Mm -hmm. understand cultures and people, you know, Mm -hmm. so, but, uh, but yeah, going back to it's obviously what you're saying there yeah there are opportunities uh overseas so yeah if you've got you know if you're a graduate designer in australia and you want to spread your wings a little bit then yeah by all means you know get over to europe or the us or you know whatever really i think that's the good thing about being a designer you can choose where you want to kind of be like Mm. like geography wise
0: you Mm. know it's a very transferable skill
1: exactly like you know if you if you really resonate with working in europe in italy for example and you're a big fan of italian design and you want to be in the thick of it you know you want to be at milan design week and all this kind of stuff then you know you can do that you can find a job in in, in italy and be in that culture you know mm. and experience that and uh, i think it just makes you a, a, a richer person experience wise mm. you
0: know? yeah yeah, no, I do think it's interesting. Like, um just going back to Japan, the have you heard of um Christopher Dresser, the early like 19th century designer? Well yeah, he mm-hmm. um basically like designed in I think it was I think he's American, design in America or Europe. Well anyway, he was away from Asia. And um mm-hmm. the design was very, very rigid and basic. They hadn't really had any specific industrial design flair at the time. Mm-hmm. Um and he went to Japan on holidays and came back, and like the designs he did were just completely different to anything they'd I seen see, before.
1: He's a, okay, he's a British designer. He was
0: a British designer. British designer, okay. British designer. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, yeah, check
0: out Christopher Dresser. Like, he's he's yeah. crazy. Okay, but like the the difference from before to after, like it had going to Japan had such an influence because that what they were doing in Japan was just completely different to anything like in in Europe at the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. And yeah, it's quite interesting yeah. how like having um you know influence from some country like I, that's why i feel like traveling I, like you're completely right traveling is everything yeah. because if you yeah, on, at... you're not going to absorb any new information you're kind of just going to get the same stuff over and over
1: yeah absolutely i'm just looking at some of his some of his work like he's got some some teapots and, and kettles and, and stuff like that and yeah it's not anything that you would see for that time period
0: yeah like, like it looks
1: like it looks completely different to... That 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 era of British design. Yeah, it this looks is,
0: like something yeah. from you know maybe the modern day, not modern day, but like you know what I mean, like maybe um Art Deco period or something like that. Yeah, yeah, when was it eighteen hundreds or something? It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I think he was no, it was like early early um early last century.
0: So like Alessi's done um, reproductions of his stuff in the modern day.
1: Yeah, so you can see Alessi in that yeah, work, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: But no, I I think um what are your this is off 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 script, but what are your um feelings on the history of design? Like, do you think it's very important as a designer to stay up to date with, um, at like a foundation in like the history of design, or do you think it's not really that important these days?
1: Well, I mean, you can learn from history, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you just told me about Christopher Dresser. I'm gonna have a look into his work and and. It's good to know that that there was there was that designer who was working on these things and and to see how that person was influenced by a certain culture or you know a set of art movements or something. Mm. Um, I studied art history at college um, and fine arts and stuff, so you know I, I have an appreciation for history as well. Like generally, his, history in general, you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of history. Mm. So yeah, for me, uh, I think. You know, and I, I love you know looking back at old old design stories. You know how mm-hmm. how a car came together back in those days, and you know the the kind of difficulties of putting together a particular car that is now iconic or something. You know, so I think there are roots that you need to understand, and you know, looking at it from a car design point of view, if you're working for a company like you know just let's say Volkswagen, and mm-hmm. and you're designing one of their key products like the golf, you know, you need to be aware of some of the, the very important features of a golf, you know, some of the key important lines, the key Mm. lines that defines the design language. Yeah. The design language, but there's some key lines that that have always been in the golf, you know? Mm. So if you look at the rear quarter panel, there's this kind of boomerang shape. So if you look at the golf seven, even the current golf, you look at the original golf by Jujaro, you know, first, first generation, there's like, behind the rear door mm. there's like a boomerang shape like yeah. this graphic that that's then evolved through the ages you know that's just one example then you know the, there are other brands that have you know other historic features that that are kind of cornerstones to their identity so it it's important to understand uh, history you know of a particular brand especially if you're working for them as a designer mm.
0: yeah i think that we've, we've mentioned this in the podcast before but specifically in terms of you know creating new idea generation like I feel like a lot of time if you're just looking on Google or on you know Pinterest boards or whatever you're going to just get the same information that all designers are getting and like it's not really going to give new information that someone else hasn't already seen so I feel like sometimes going back and looking at history and actually learning more like I've been learning um more about history over the last few months um the history of industrial design and like the ideas I've come up with even just looking to the past are amazing I think it's like something, because in my degree, we didn't even really do much design history, um. but I do think it is very, very important field to be in.
1: Yeah, it is, it is. And, you know, like, there's something about having uh, a bunch of books on your shelf. Mm. I've got some books behind me, you know, stacked up, and, 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 yeah. And, you know, something nice about just flicking through them and finding something that someone else might not be looking at. Yeah. You know? um because you might have a book which has an image in it which isn't widely published for example mm. you know or not many people know about it pinterest i in funny you say pinterest because i've seen in the last two weeks i've seen two portfolios mm. completely different people they have nothing to do with each other so there's no sense of plagiarism or anything but they've used the same image in their sort of influence kind of uh inspiration uh board and it's come from Pinterest yeah you know so it's exactly what you said you know you you're looking at the same thing you're mm. looking at that thing over and over again on google or pinterest or whatever and uh, we did a when I was teaching at Coventry university I was, I was teaching part time you know just you know once or twice a week and the we, we did we did the we did a like a just a little seminar with a few guys a few industry guys and uh talking to the students about various things about lifestyle and and mental health and all this kind of stuff and one of the the designers said you know it's really important to get away from the desk get away from the screen and just go for a walk Mm. you know or or go on a holiday or go somewhere you've never been before and absorb the culture absorb the art absorb the architecture Mm. and, and come back refreshed with a new set of ideas you know so so that element you know really plays hand in hand it's it's not good sitting at your desk going through google
0: Mm. yeah i think as well even like there's various things that play into that like even sketching for example like i was always doing digital sketching and recently i've got back into physical sketching and i think Mm. that like if you're always looking at a screen all day anyway like if you're sketching also on a screen it's just like you're never looking at anything but a screen and, mm-hmm. like, I feel like, like, looking away from the screen and even even just, like, I just, I don't know, I've been really enjoying physical sketching, but, um like, things like that are really important. And, like, even, like, generally when I'm at home for, like, eight hours doing doing work for, on something, I will go out and just go for a walk midday. Because, yeah. like, if you're sitting there for eight hours straight just looking at a screen, you, your workflow is not going to be as good as if you take a break and get outside.
1: It's also not good for your hamstrings or your back, right? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you that need to... Go, yeah. You need to stretch it, stretch your legs and, and also your mind as well. So mm. give your eyes a bit of a break. So, yeah, and then, you know, the whole thing of mental health comes into play, which you have to look after yourself. Like, you, you mm. can end up burning out. I burnt out early on in my career. Mm. Not massively, but yeah. I felt it, you know. I felt yeah. i started getting migraines and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, okay, I need to sort my lifestyle out, you know. Yeah. I got I got after, you know, the physical and the, the mental together to be able to perform optimally mm. you know on monday uh, and you're busy and you you have to perform mm. you know Like yeah you're passionate about what you do yes all of that stuff
2: mm.
1: but you have to deliver you know mm. people are depending on you to to get that whatever piece of work done in any which way you can you know to the to the highest expected level and in order for you to constantly do that over the course of your career Man, it's so important to to you know have like little wins in your weekend, like doing things that you enjoy or hanging up, whatever it is, skateboarding, and so you've got some skateboards back there, you know, so mm. whatever that may be, you know you you have to have that
0: mm. what are your what are your tactics for kind of alleviating that pressure? Like you already mentioned kind of doing outside activities, but anything else you can recommend for people who you know maybe feeling like they're in that position, like they're constantly under pressure to deliver? And, you know, they struggle with that?
1: Well, I don't know if I could recommend anything, but I can tell you, I mean, for me, what, what's worked is um, I I really like being out sort of going for walks, being, mm. you know, going, like I was up in the Lake District in the UK like a couple of weekends ago, you know, just seeing the beauty, like going up high and high in the mountains and not mountains, mm. but, you know, we don't have such things in the UK as high as that. But, but yeah, you know, being out in nature, you know, having, mm. being in close contact with that, is one thing, um, having a good social life. You know, um, speaking to friends. If you're struggling with something, you know, even if you're struggling at work, like you feel like, a lot of designers suffer from in- imposter syndrome. You mm. know, yeah. If you're, if you're feeling that, like, talk to your friends. You know, talk to your friends who are designers who'll understand, and and that connection helps to build community. You know, reach out to people, because community is really really important you know having, having someone around you or having a group of people around you to talk to about your might just be a thought it might just be a small insecurity you know but it's all right you know so so that helps um for me like working out is really important having a good diet but this is personal you know like i yeah. you know having a good diet looking after myself you know going to the gym you know four to five times a week and and mm. like that for me is my release um I was, I was talking to my brother recently and he was like, yeah, he goes, yeah, I've just joined this really cool gym. You know, I love, you know, i got at the sauna and, and you know, all this stuff. And I used to do that stuff mm. before the pandemic. Mm. And after the pandemic, I just joined a, you know, just a normal ass gym, nothing special. You know, you go there, you do work out, come home. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, actually got me thinking. I was like, do you know what? I used to do that. I should really start doing that again. Mm. Uh, and I started doing, you know, you know, sauna a few times a week and mm. and, going to the pool and stuff again. I used to swim pretty much every day before the pandemic. So I started doing that again and immediately, you know, I was sleeping better. I was eating better. I was generally feeling better. Yeah. You know, so is so, really
0: good for you. It has so many benefits.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, so, so for me, I, would, I don't know if I could recommend it, but for me that works, you know, yeah. you just, yeah. you got to get out of your skin sometimes, you know, you have to get out of your office, you have to get out of your studio environment and just go and do something that you enjoy in the weekend.
0: Having that work life balance, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
1: Is that the same for you as well? Like, yeah, you enjoy. Yeah,
0: I um. Well, I'm in this middle stage at the moment with with like getting you know getting into my first position as industrial designer. Um, but uh, I do definitely feel like that even even over COVID. Um, I was I was doing uni, you know, remotely, and I was spending like eight hours a day, maybe even more, like up to like ten hours, twelve hours a day, every day in my office. And it's like I I ended up like losing it's my brutal. mind just
1: about. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I think we've all done that at university, you know. Yeah. We've all done that all night it was and like I had a my flat was overlooking like the university library. We had a really nice library. Um and I had a there was a canal going down down the bottom of the 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 apartment just in case you felt like jumping, but you know, um but and then you had the library and I'd I'd be working through the night, so I'd see the library lights go down. Mm. and you'd see the city go to sleep and you're working and you're working and you're working and you're still working when the sun's coming up and the city comes back to life again
0: yeah it's
1: the weirdest thing i mean you feel messed up you know
0: mm. you've gone you know, stuff like that for a long time i used to do That's that right. in england when i lived there because like clubs close so yeah i still live in london
1: where where, where oh okay in yeah. like, actually, like central in I'm london or in the london, UK? UK?
0: but i used to okay. live like north london like i'm um, enfield out that area.
1: Okay. Cause yeah. the thing is, right, when you so when, when you when when you speak to my family, so I have some yeah. family in India, right? Like some, you know, cousins and, and yeah. uncles or whatever, right? They don't call the UK the UK, they call it London.
0: No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's good. It's funny when people do that. They they do they're like, oh you're from Australia, so you live in Sydney? And it's like, No, Australia is yeah. absolutely massive. Like you can't even comprehend yeah. having Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: they're like, No, oh, you're from London. I was like, No, I'm from the UK.
0: Where do you live in the UK? London, no um, Yeah,
1: I live in No, I'm, I'm in the West Midlands So near Coventry
0: Oh, okay Coventry, Coventry yeah where, where all the
1: car companies And everything
0: is Yeah, and yeah, true I, I used to work at um The McLaren uh, Head Like dealer it's Oh, dealer. It's MTC? Like the, the one that's like It's like underground
1: part Yeah, of it. MTC
0: The headquarters yeah, yeah, I used to work there As a waiter and bartender So It's got Oh, wait oh. okay yeah. When
1: was
0: that? Uh 20 20 17 i think yeah 2017 or
1: 2018 i was there as well
0: around that time oh, i really? think uh, you know the massive building then. underground it's like a hump when you look at the top and it's like a yeah, the, circle mtc, is the MTC? Yeah. And there's all yeah. the all the old cars at the bottom like in that room yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. i used to work there and do like events for no, yeah oh, maybe maybe we, we might cross paths well i think the ones i usually worked on they were just like tech people usually I yeah. never saw any like automotive designs. They always, were you like,
1: walk, they... were you would you walk down the boulevard like during the daytime and stuff?
0: Not really, no. I basically just oh, worked okay. in that area. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, we weren't allowed just... to like walk around the whole premise, so it was more just that oh, okay. Yeah. right. right yeah,
1: I gotcha. Fair yeah.
0: enough. That yeah, was cool. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. Nice. Yeah, good. Um, small world. But yeah. uh but yeah, so yeah, I mean originally I'm from from the north of England. So mm. northwest. So
0: I was born in Cornwall. You what, sorry? I was born in Cornwall.
1: Oh, you were born in Cornwall.
0: Yeah, I moved to Australia when I was a kid, and then moved, came back when I was eighteen. So
1: you moved with your parents, or
0: yeah, my mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. we we're born That's... in
0: like opposite sides of England.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And uh, and then do you, do you go back? To not Cornwall? not as much
0: as I'd like. My dad lives in London, so I would like to go right. back, but yeah. but yeah. yeah, hopefully soon. I feel like I I feel like I just want to get more more experiences overseas. Like I spent a year in London, but um yeah especially as a designer now like when I left the UK I'm, I'm when I when I I met a, met a guy in London actually who's a graphic designer and he was one of my friends and he basically said that like he thinks I should become a designer because I have the right like aptitude for it and I'm a very creative person and he was like why are you going into like other fields like you you're suited for this field um mm-hmm. and I feel like in a way like going to Europe shapes you know me becoming a designer and, like that's the reason why I went down that path so it would be interesting to go back as an adult as a as a you know as more of an adult now and um Mm kind of see the way things have changed and you know understand things from more of a design perspective now and look look for design because i feel like i missed out on so many experiences because i didn't have that mindset at the time
1: and -hmm. london's a really cool place as well like and you you've got yeah you've got a natural history museum you've got got a tate and all that kind of whatever you know i've got all the design museums and everything in london and you also have some really good industrial and general design houses as well, you know. Yeah, you've got yep, um, yeah, Priestman Good, and um, what's the big one called? I can not remember, isn't list? Uh, Seymour Powell, Seymour Powell,
0: oh, okay, yeah,
1: yeah, um, and, and just to name a couple, but yeah, you just. Just a lot happening there as well. It's a scene mm. as a design scene. I think it's yeah, it'd be pretty cool as an industrial designer to be in London.
0: It's such a good design, London. Like it, obviously, it's not in a lot of ways as well. But like when you look at the tube map, like it looks like chaos, but really it's such a good design. It's,
1: it's so easy to get. around. You can it's get
0: anywhere tube. pretty much by train. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's like fun. when you like you yeah. compare that to Brisbane, like we're going a bit off topic here, but you compare that to Brisbane and we have, like I don't know, like four train lines maybe at the most, and they're all overground. So like yeah. basically. You you can't really get anywhere by train, like unless you're going in like a straight line to the city, you're you're pretty much screwed.
1: So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah no, for that yeah absolutely London. I mean unless it's rush hour. Yeah. The, um yeah the underground's like perfect. Like I would I I've driven in London twice. Yeah. Never again will I do that ever. I won't drive in and I refuse. Yeah. Like no way, not doing it. Yeah. Like, The bus drivers are crazy in London. Yeah. They will totally wipe you out if they could, you know wouldn't do it again yeah you know I, I took i i just i just bought an s2 this is, tw- this is 2015 i'd bought an s2 i've moved back from germany uh and i was like cool i want to get it and i bought an s2000 um and i was gonna go and see one of my friends and then i was like oh yeah i'll take the car you know yeah. man last time i did that that was it so yeah
0: you have to pay to go in the center of london as well it's ten ten 10 pounds to is it probably more yeah, now pretty well you- now yeah. Well that's
1: how long I've not driven in London, I don't even know. So yeah. yeah.
0: Great. Anyway, we'll get back on topic. Uh yeah. what are the biggest challenges facing automotive designers today? Um, in terms of like, you know, things like environmental regulations, changing consumer preferences. What are what are the big things you think that are gonna affect it in the in the future?
1: Sorry, changing in what preferences?
0: So changing it could be like changing consumer preferences or environmental. No, like preferences. That. Yeah. Okay. What the big, oh, well, you big, yeah.
1: big changes i mean i think for us it's trying to that that's a very broad question we, we we're constantly faced with challenges yeah. from packaging to aero to meeting all the all the yeah. regs you know for, for ped pro with like pedestrian protection um you know there's always new safety laws and i think i think the biggest one is what people don't realize is you know big companies like you know like mercedes benz bmw um, you know any any of the multinational oems that sell the same model that they sell in, in in the uk across europe in china and asia and in the us and australia and everywhere else you know that they that if you buy a bmw 3 series in the uk or you buy it in Japan, or you buy it in the US. Essentially, that car is—it's the same car. Like you get into the, that car here, and you get it in the US. Yeah, the the driving side will be switched, but other than that, like the level of quality, um, the 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 sort of safety rating for the car to pull that feature off is is so difficult. People don't actually realize how difficult that is. Mm. We have to jump through so many loopholes because the federal laws are different to the European laws, which are different to some of the Australian and the Asian and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's fine to do a sketch of a car, but then to actually execute that and then to deliver it in reality, I mean, that, that's a lot of work, you know, yeah. that's a huge, huge challenge, you know, and then now obviously we're bringing in, you know, electric and, and then, so in the UK this week has just been announced that um, the 2023 Ford Mustang Mach-E can be legally um, put onto kind of a self-drive mode where you can just put it on and let go of the steering wheel and let it do it let it do its thing, you know. And that you know, but then I don't know if in Germany that's doable or not mm. or if it in Italy or, or wherever, you know, so they've obviously had to negotiate with you know so that's that's the whole legislation side of thing. Um in terms of design that obviously comes back into feeds back into directly into design. Like mm. you know sometimes you've got you know the uh you know back you probably saw the old overrider bumpers that they used to put on BMWs in America you know and say these had these massive rubber add-ons in the mm. US you know onto a European car because they didn't meet the the federal laws. You know, mm. so stuff like that. You know that that plays a huge part with with what we do. We have to make sure that that those things are covered within the design
0: yeah. from the get go. It know? would be really hard to design something to be to fit with all these regulations because I feel like. imagine,
1: I mean... imagine you had to do that with an iPhone. Imagine you yeah. had to do that with an
0: iPhone. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so but. It's it's a bit different, I suppose, with like um, product design yeah. specifically. Yeah. Like um I, I mean, even with Formula One, it kinda goes it's kind of the similar Formula One. Like there's the amount of regulations that constantly change every year. Obviously it's even stricter. It's way more stricter than Formula One, but like it's like you're trying to you're trying to make something happen with all these different parameters. Yeah. It'd be quite hard. Even like like moving into styling, is that is that the reason why um the style of a vehicle has changed so much over the years because of regulations?
1: style with what regard
0: like the design of a vehicle has changed so much from like the 80s to now right like is that is that just preference or is that also regulation yeah cars
1: have gotten bigger cars have gotten massive yeah cars are really chubby right now i mean you've got a mini minis are huge yeah you stand next to a countryman from from the 60s you know the original countryman you look at the new countryman i mean that's massive yeah Um but but it's not it's not at the fault. If we as designers could do whatever we wanted to do, we probably wouldn't do that. We wouldn't make a car chubby, you know. Yeah. We'd we'd slim it down, we'd have the perfect proportions and it would be mm. you know, everything would be look everything would look awesome all the time, mm. you know. Not to say many countrymen doesn't look awesome, but beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know. Mm. But it's like we've got to package so much into it, like wiring looms and and side impact airbags and curtain airbags and you know all of this stuff that's that's now around. And then obviously now we've got screens and all the all the wiring that goes with that. And so cars are getting taller and wider and thicker. And mm. so yeah, the styling is impacted by it. And mm. we we do our best to stick to the original concept as much as we possibly can mm. um there's this thing and i think i guess every design studio works in a slightly different way but you you don't want to design something mediocre to start with like you mm-hmm. you want to really give it the full send to mm. start with because you know you're not gonna get that like you yeah. know you know, all the departments are going to basically chip it, chip away at it. Like Aero's going to throw it out. They're going to say, well, that's not going to work. Not, we're going to need to change this, mm. that. that the other, you know, the engineers are going to say, well, we can't do this or that, the other, we need to change whatever. We have to try and work together with all these departments mm. to hold on to that original concept as mm. much as we possibly can, you know, and homologate it and, and make sure it meets the regs and everything mm. and still
0: look good. Yeah. Yeah, you have a lot of hoops to jump through, I feel like, a automotive design. Like I mean you do have all design, like with industrial design you have more like manufacturing and engineering. Um whereas mm. with you guys you've got the like the aero component as well. That's yeah it that makes it even harder, I suppose, because it has to fit those regulations. Yeah. It has to, I mean with supercars it's not as important, I suppose. Um, but it is I suppose for speed, but it
1: it is, it is. I mean it might with supercars, so working at McLaren, I mean yeah. it was it was very intense. Like really? okay. aero is super important. Um, obviously the cooling like the the engineering part of it so it has to be it has to be lightweight mm-hmm. you know in fact with with supercars probably more um, because you have to jump through all of the hoops that a regular car company regular car company has to jump through you know a passenger vehicle like a Volkswagen yep. Polo. so McLaren has to do exactly those regulations mm. you know because it's a road car so it has to and then yeah it's going to be sold globally so it's a global car so it has to jump through those those hoops plus the cooling the aero, the lightweight the performance mm. you know so mm.
0: um yeah the the process you follow like does it start off from you come up with a crazy design like for a supercar it, um you come up with a crazy design you you know you pitch it forward and then the other people kind of criticize it or is it like the error guy says it needs to follow this error structure and then you design around that like how does the process work generally
1: uh yeah i mean generally speaking we'll we'll create our vision you know and yep. depends like sometimes we're just going to do a short car right yep. so for a short car there there isn't there isn't much of that outside influence because we don't need to worry about some of those things um for a short short it's relatively open you know it's a it's a really fun thing to do and we can create a vision a DNA and all this kind of stuff and then go you know going forward now when we want to productionize something yes the we have a we have a um a package to work with you know there are certain hard points that we have to meet mm. you know the, uh you know there's maybe so car- carryover parts play a huge thing. Um, which is you know cost saving. So it could be from another program. So it could be from another vehicle program, like a wiper package or a headlight package or whatever that may be. Maybe it's a, mm. you know, it's a complete engine that we're carrying over and mm. that has a cooling requirements or something that's going to impact something, right? Mm. And so we've got to take that into consideration quite early on. Mm. Uh, so the vision part of it is really fun. It's awesome. It's such a great, great process to do. But then that quickly becomes very serious and that right, okay, we've got deadlines, we've got gateways to meet. um obviously, there's a program team involved, and you know stakeholders and so on and so forth. So, yeah, we we quickly have to adapt the design to those mm-hmm. new things. But you know, the good thing is there's always a possibility for us to, it's not all design having to compromise, you know, that's often how it's seen. But actually we do have the opportunity to push back and say, well, actually, it is important for us to have this, and you know the engineering, the aero teams, they work with us as opposed to against us, mm. to help us to develop that vision. You know, yeah, because right effort, we're all trying to achieve a really good looking car, which is going to sell, and it's going to perform, and it's going to tick all the boxes. You know, mm. so it's in everyone's interest to to help each other. You know, yeah, so we, we do have a good. Work in relationship with those departments that that we say, well, look, we really want to try and keep this feature. We think it's a USB. We think it's the identity of the car, you know. So then the that particular error engineering or whatever team, they'll they'll figure a way out, you know, Mm. to to make that work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a really interesting field to be in because you've got those factors, and then even like from um from a design perspective, like I feel like you're very much in like a visual aesthetic design perspective. Like a lot of a lot of industrial design these days ends up being very limited on the fact of styling and more about designing, you know, good functional product. Whereas you guys actually like kind of have a lot of freedom in creating something really, you know, visually amazing. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I think it, it does you know, people buy a car, they go to the, the court, you know, the forecourt and they'll say, oh, that one looks good. So mm. the first thing is obviously it looks good, you know. Yep. Or the colour. The colours got to be, you know, right, or the trims got to be right, you know. Mm. So it's not just about us, the guys that sketch the cars, you know. It's it's everyone who, even even the, you know, this the CMF, you know, colour materials, uh, it plays a huge part in it as well. You know, to develop the colours and the schemes and the, you know, trims and the materials finishes, all of that stuff is you know, very important. You know, especially now, like with interiors becoming what they are. You know, if we do go autonomous at some point, you know, having a really nice place to sit, having a really nice place to have a multi-use interior. You know, so then suddenly, mm-hmm. if you look at you talking about '80s cars earlier, you look at an '80s car, and then you look at a new car, and you mm-hmm. look at the quality difference in the materials just in mm. the seat material you know just the fabric mm. and, and all of that it's of a much higher quality now than
0: it used to be mm. yeah. even even at a low price point even in a even at a yeah, low price
1: point oh well, yeah you mean you you tell me you go and pick up a a, a Nissan sunny from 1984 <laughs> you know and then you get into a new Nissan now and it's mm. like the, the quality difference is massive
0: the durability would probably be less right?
1: no not necessarily i think we've got more
0: materials now i think there's like i I do think there's an like there's a bit of a worry with modern vehicles is like everything is becoming digital now like every component of your vehicle is somewhat connected to digital electronics or you know sensors and things like that and i feel like the longevity of these things are probably going to be a lot less than like just classic mechanical um you know automotive design
1: yeah, that that's a bit of a worry. I mean, yeah. uh, if I guess if we just compare it in in terms of like how quickly your smartphone is outdated, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then so then you know you just go on from that. Really, you've got all these screens in the car, and the the updatability is limited mm. to that. And you know how how long are you gonna update that piece of technology until it it doesn't work anymore with the software. Yeah on whatever so then what do you do with it you know what what do you do with these cars with these massive screens in 15 years time
0: you mm. know? yeah it, will there be a classic cars in the future that's the thing i was thinking the other day like will there be you know cars from 2022 50 years from now that people keep as like a classic car or will they just not even be functional because there's so many problems with them now you know
1: um your probably best bet is uh s550 mustang or a dodge charger or something like that
0: yeah, yeah challenge because they still have so, that kind of tactile feel to it yeah, yeah
1: yeah i think they made the effort to make it still have that manual tactile feeling to it
0: hmm. you know
1: but uh i can't say much for a tesla i don't know maybe yeah. maybe not. who knows you know
0: yeah do you think so that, that'll, be,
1: that'll be interesting to see actually
0: yeah interesting to see how it changes um what do you think about we'll autonomous vehicles So, we'll, we'll catch up we'll do another podcast in yeah, fifty. yeah years. <laughs> Revisit let me
1: just put my teeth in yeah. <laughs>
0: um so. what do you yeah, what do you think about autonomous vehicles do you think they're going to become the norm like will we not have you know driving capabilities in 10 years
1: no i i don't believe in 10 years i think that's too yeah that's too soon i mean if you just look at the longevity or the you know the durability or whatever of cars that are being sold right now you know lifetime it's way more than 10 years you know if you bought a car in the 60s anything from the 60s and 70s pretty much melted away in the rain you know they just rusted inside out you know whether it was British or Italian or Japanese or whatever, you know, cars from the you know 60s, 70s, even early 80s, basically just just disintegrated in the rain, you know, unless they were in a hot climate. Nowadays, Why is that? Just they just didn't weatherproof them, you know. Yeah. Um, some of the British companies they just didn't use very good quality steel, and you know, just kind of deteriorated over time, you know, uh, just the way things were back then um but you know like now things are you know the car cars are you know um, weather protected and you know they've got the corrosion warranties on them and and all sorts of things the durability of if you buy a cheap car now compared to buying a cheap car probably in the 70s the level of quality is massively different Mm. you know And and so then the last stability of these cars now, it much longer lifespan of modern cars is much much longer than it was back then. Yeah. You know, so then in ten years, you know, ten years is it's not a long time away. Yeah. You know, um, ten years ago, like if you if you, I mean, I've got a I've got a two thousand and seven Jaguar XJ. It's my daily driver. It just still running yeah. strong. You know? Yep. Yeah. I do everything in that car. It, it just goes everywhere, and it perfect. You know. Yep. Yeah. That's two thousand and seven. You know, and it's still going strong. So if you're buying a car now, you, they'll still be going for ten years. So then, if you start putting autonomous cars, you know, have you heard about everything that's going on in uh, in um, San Francisco? How autonomous cars are like causing havoc on the streets. Yeah. The business is going hairwire you know, so, so I, I think, yeah, not 10 years, probably more, more like, more likely, you know, 20 years. I'd I feel say.
0: like with you autonomous know? cars, the issue is like the compatibility right now. Like you've got, like, you've got non-autonomous cars, you've got radical people running around the streets, you know, and then you've got yeah. these like, autonomous cars that like, if there was no one on the street would probably work perfectly. Right. Yeah. But Like th- fitting those two like systems together are very hard. Like I feel like the only way it's going to take over is if they force it to be adopted and they're like, you know, you can't drive your other car anymore or like things like that. Because yeah. right now I feel like it's just too, like, you know, maybe an autonomous car on the motorway would be fine, but I feel like around the streets of London, mm. I don't see that. I feel like there's definitely going to be too many the roads are too narrow. There's too many people, you know, jumping on the street, riding their you know electric scooters everywhere. Like yeah. it's yeah. too, there's too, it's too unpredictable. You can't use AI to detect you know these radical changes that could happen at any time
1: yeah yeah no i agree i think that's the technology is not there yet and then it's a question of do we want that do we need that you know is that something that we need do we need that you know i i i get the appeal of it you know like if i had a car and i drive to the car with my i drive to the pub with my friends right and then i get absolutely hammered and then i put it on autonomous mode and it takes me home yeah (laughs) <laughs> Perfect. That's brilliant. I'm in my own car, uh, and you know, then it takes me home, and and then it parks itself up and on, you know, mm. carries me into the house and puts me on the sofa. You know, but yeah, I think we're not quite there yet with that technology.
0: Yeah. You know, so, well, I don't know if we'll ever be like that, but I feel like the, the the police will never let you just drink and drive, even if you're not touching the controls, because there's still the chance you're like, you Get know, drunkly sleep. hit the steering wheel and like swerve into something. I don't know
1: well no you, you got you got the you got the fold away steering wheels now
0: yeah true mm. so you just it got knows, to sleep. maybe <laughs>
1: yeah or the car um, will like just, just strap you in so you yeah. can't move so i'm writing all these ideas down don't worry
0: yeah we're coming up with a new design right here <laughs> exactly um, can you discuss how cultural influences affect automotive design and how you design for different cultural backgrounds in different markets
1: uh yeah so a lot of research goes into that mm. a lot of research goes into that about demographic and and what's required you know for for particular cultures and, and countries and you know what helps them tick or what's required in that marketplace um how that happens yeah it like i said it's a big it's a big uh process you know, a large mm. process do a lot of deep research it could be like if you sold x vehicle for five to seven years in a market you then have something to base your research off of you know mm. the last model these were the weak points this didn't do very well in in this particular part of the world why was that you know so you have then you then have data mm. uh, That plays a big part with 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 dealing with all that all that kind of stuff so that that's one part of you know designing a, for a particular culture and then Um, When it comes to the design studio, you have to understand um, the visual influences, you know, what do they respond to and, you know, what does that market respond to? What is it like, you know, what, what doesn't work Mm. and then um, comes back into CMF. Certain Mm. colors, certain colors don't work in certain marketplaces, Mm. you know, a particular type of car in in other markets you know a particular color will be massively successful mm. if you look at um you know one example that i can think of is like the, the nissan 350z yeah. the, the first yes. generation he z there was this i can't remember the, name of the color but this really nice orange kind of like the color of your chair but metallic it was like this kind of burnt metallic orange really yeah. nice color so if you looked at it, maybe in like the Californian sun or in Australia or something, a really mm. nice sunny environment, like the color came to life. It mm. was really, really a nice, bright, vibrant color. You bring that car to the UK, that same metallic color looks dull. It mm. just it's looks flat. flat. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah, it still mm. looks good, but it doesn't have that vibrancy that it has in the sun. Mm. You know, so small things like that. You yeah. Know, so, like for example. The- like, like in the UAE and uh, even in India as well, like the color white, you know, obviously it's very hot out there. So mm. like or white cars, you know, um, that's, you know, that's, I guess that's one thing that comes back into CMF, you know, mm. design, you know, um, material choices like leather in 40 degrees heat. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, you might want, you might want a fabric, which is, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a cooling fabric or something mm. or a, you know, a fabric which which circulates air potentially. Hmm. So uh, yeah,
0: it's it's amazing the amount of elements you'd have to take into consideration when designing for like an international market for cars. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of sustainability, uh, obviously it's a big thing in design in general at the moment. Um, and I think for automotive design, probably maybe even more because there's been you know increasing concerns around the sustainability of the automotive industry um how do you think that's going to affect your position as a designer or maybe even just you know the design of vehicles in the future
1: you mean like how sustainability is going to affect us yeah designers? how like
0: increasing regulations and um yeah like maybe even consumer push towards sustainability is going to affect it
1: well you know it's already kind of happening like um companies are moving away from leather they still have a leather option yeah but but they're using a, a you know a plant-based leatherette or something mm. and and so you know with with low kind of a lower impact you know on production you know so it's not just a case of producing a non-leather because that can just be a plastic vinyl based thing which is not very eco-friendly yeah but then, you know, it's actually producing something which is is recyclable or it can be you know repurposed or something. So mm. it is happening. Like there was an article on LinkedIn that I read um, about Callum Design. So you know, Ian Callum, obviously mm. the ex-chief of Jaguar Land Rover or Jaguar, rather. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he he's you know he started his own sort of design design firm uh, here in the UK, and uh, they did this really interesting study about. Um, sort of I think I don't quote me on this look into it, please, but it's I believe it's like a they've used plant-based materials mm. uh, to produce like plastic like materials and certain fabrics and stuff just as an experiment to see mm. what the future of automotive materials could be you know away from plastics and synthet- synthetics mm. so certain things like that are as as a from a style point of view, I think we're still we're still going to design cool stuff. The yeah. The materials might change,
0: but mm. yeah. Do you think, um, like use of plastic will minimize? Cause the thing is with modern cars is like all the panel, all the exterior panels are generally plastic now, you know, yeah. painted plastic. So it's like, it's not really that easy to recycle these kind of things. Like, do you think like, what do you, like, what do you, what do you see as the future of that kind of industry? Do you think it's going to continue or do you think there'll be an alternative?
1: Sorry. Um, panels in 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 what sorry in... Well, like all
0: the external panels of vehicles these days are pretty much plastic um are they are they not no no no, no it's pressed you know
1: you've got pressed steel well pretty it depends sure. on the
0: it depends on the car i suppose but like on like consumer level cars generally it's like most most panels are plastic except for like the like the what the roof the bonnet and the in the back i know the like
1: the doors the front fenders
0: the doors bonnet. yeah i suppose but even like even front command. fenders now a lot of cars are replaced with plastic i know like my my girlfriend's um x-trailers the front fenders are plastic <laughs> oh really yeah that's interesting
1: okay so i i yeah i don't i don't know many cars i mean yeah you've got like in the, in europe you've got like the Citroen c1
0: i suppose maybe it's more the japanese and like your um asian cars that are plastic maybe the european cars are more metal
2: yeah but like no. most
0: cars here are um, majority plastic now especially really? like these brands like um like havel and stuff no, havel and um what's other one uh i can't remember like the are real chinese brands like the whole most of that car is just plastic yeah wow yeah. massive okay. massive front plastic grills they just look weird i don't i don't know like,
1: yeah i mean i know i know obviously the com- the complete front fascia like fascias yeah. have gone huge you know before yeah. you just have a bumper right so now yeah. you've got a face and on that fascia you've got you know you've got the front loaded grill and you've got mm. the number plate plinth and all of that that's all plastic you know mm. and then you've got the rear the rear fascia which is the, the lower diffuser the way you put the number plate the mm. painted bumper area that's all plastic you know yep. and the side rocker panel and whatever um but uh, but you know the, the bonnet the structural areas are mm. still like, the yeah, doors.
0: The structural doors um, yeah.
1: obviously the the frame of the vehicle all of that still either steel or aluminium mm. or whatever
0: yeah, it's interesting. I was looking at a project by um, BMW, and they're basically creating like a car that can be completely recycled. Have you heard mm-hmm. about this? I think it's the iVision something. You don't know how they have like the funny names. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically a completely recyclable car. Like the idea would be all panels would be made of aluminium, um, like and like unpainted aluminium, so that you'd be able to kind kind of easily recycle it, opposed to like, you know, a massive process of getting the paint off the panels first, um, yeah. and things like that. And Like, even in the interior, like, the whole interior would be made of recyclable materials. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like from, like, a realistic standpoint, it's not that easy to create a fully, you know, sustainable car. Because, like, I think right now, like, with Tesla and things like that, they're trying to tackle it from a powertrain perspective. But from a material perspective, they're not really, you know, worrying about that right now.
1: I think I think that will be the next so like if we've ticked I, I don't think we've ticked the powertrain thing because where yeah. where those materials come from to create the batteries yeah. it's not it's just another finite source of fuel yeah. right we're, we're switching from one finite source to another effectively this mm. one you have to mine for the other one you've got to you know you've got to drill mm. for oil um yeah, granted that we're not producing fumes from the back of the car. Um, but then it comes back down to where that electricity comes from. Mm. That then depends on the country or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, the material thing is probably the next box that we need to tick in terms of like, and there's so many materials mm. in a vehicle. Interior, it's actually crazy. There's so many parts. Mm. Um, and so there needs to be something durable Something that isn't gonna, you know, after a few years start, you know, breaking apart. And then it comes back to, you know, heat as well. Like certain, you know, certain countries have got a very intense summertime, mm. other countries have a very intense winter, you know, and so those materials need to be tested properly so that that not only do they meet the design requirements and safety requirements, but they also you know, to, you see a pattern now, right? So we have to really deal with a lot of this stuff. But as designers, we tend not to think about this stuff on a day-to-day basis, yeah. like because it's like, you know, there's material allocation. Like this is going to be made of this, that's going to be made of that, whatever. You know, as long as those considerations have taken place already, we can then do our job to to yeah. design it. Make mm. it look good, make it function right, make sure the functionality is within the car and the interior. Mm. You know, but it certainly is a consideration that a lot of companies are taking on board right now.
0: Mm. I think it's really hard to find a the correct step forward because there's just so many different options and like they're all very hard to implement on like a mass scale. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think it's I think it's incremental. You know, we'll yes. get there. It's just it's an increment. It's a huge industry, right? You know, so.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we will we, we, we'll, we've got to move closer to that goal you know uh, incrementally
0: how do you balance traditional elements of a vehicle like the history of the vehicle the traditional as you already mentioned the components yeah. that kind of make up that vehicle's design language with innovation in that vehicle like how do you balance those two aspects when you design a vehicle
1: what like tradition and and having like the innovative like the like for example a screen but also having I mean I mean
0: more like for example um good references like the new Lamborghini Countach. like it's mm-hmm. it's innovative but it still has the design language of the old one like how do you design for that change when you're designing a new model of a vehicle
1: Yeah I think I think innovative is like a term which we use quite loosely but innovation is like something novel something that we haven't seen before you know Mm. so it's modernized it's a modernized contash based Mm. on a meta or platform or whatever Mm. um i think i mean it's just it's it's retro design you know it's Mm. taking something that exists and then recreating it for today for a niche you know and it it's i don't think it's produced in the same volume as the Kuntash was no yeah i think it's a very low volume low volume car but uh well i mean how do you balance that i don't know to be honest i've never worked on anything retro i
0: mean i mean even like like the volkswagen golf as you mentioned like you've got that design history like the golf has been around for what like i don't know like 40 years maybe maybe more i don't even know um and like mm. now you've got to you have gotta design that new version of the golf. Like how do you continue to represent the past but still make evolutions in the design? Yeah. So okay,
1: that's so that's different because the the kuntash is something, you know, that's that's a niche, right? Yep. But then the yep. golf is something which is like that's like a staple, like that's like your bread and butter car.
0: My dad know? had that car in the eighties. <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's but that's what I mean. That's like yeah. that's like a bread and butter car, you know. Mm. And and for that to happen continuously over the course of X amount of years, like you need to nail that every single time. Like, mm. like everything needs to be on point with the car from the design, you know, from the styling to your, to your trim offerings. Um, and it, and it, has got to appeal to such a wide marketplace. Like you see so many golfs on the road, you know, mm. it's crazy how many golfs you see on the road. Right. So, um, how how you how you balance that is like oh man uh yeah obviously the market research that they do into consumers you know what people want and how needs are evolving and and all this kind of stuff so as as times move on technology moves on and you have to incorporate the right level of technology into the car as well as usability so you know, if you buy the golf now that your dad had, you know, it's mm. smaller, you know, mm. the, its load capacity isn't as much. Um It might not have the same um, range in terms of, you know, fuel capacity, fuel mm. efficiency, all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, um, even creature comforts as well. Mm. So all the, all, like, our, our needs as a, you know, as a generation have changed. Mm. And so I think with something like golf, you need to... You need to contend all of those basic creature comfort needs. Mm. You know, it's got to look, it's got to look right. It's got to look not over the top styled. Mm. It's got to be just kind of like, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to do. It's a hard feat to Mm. win every single time. And the golf seems to have done it with every single generation, Mm. you know? Um, Yeah. I can't
0: imagine it would be really hard. And like, even, like the market's very critical. Like I feel like you know the automotive field is so critical of design. Like it's even so even easy the, to drop the ball. It's so easy to drop the ball. Even the BMW, um, like the new BMW series. So many people I know just criticize them because they prefer the more classic, you know, BMW look from like yeah, even. But like but
1: the, yeah, but the thing is though, right? So so when I remember when I was a student, when Chris Bangle was doing his thing at BMW. Mm. You know, they were criticizing Chris Bangle for, for those cars they were like oh it's so ugly we prefer the older one whatever and now all the Bangle cars are like oh my god yeah the Bangle 7 series or the Bangle this or that or the other you know hmm. is it not the same thing like are we not just yeah. going through the same cycle
0: yeah I feel like
1: you, people in, get used to 10 it. years everyone's gonna say oh as you remember that BMW looked so good and now look at what we've got you
0: know? yeah yeah well I think it's just when major changes happen people are first apprehensive and then they accept yeah. it after once they get used to it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. Volkswagen just—they just have a signature. You know, they just—it's—it's mm. it's a staple. You know, it's like Coca-Cola. It's like classic Coke. The Golf is like classic Coca-Cola. Yeah, like you know what you're gonna get. You know you're gonna get this, and and that's why you buy a Golf. But then mm. if you want some, you want want well, something quicker, you get the Golf R, or you yeah. get the GTI.
0: Golf R, is cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. uh, i
0: think i think it's interesting like um it's crazy
1: like how can you how can you appeal to like you just said a golf r is cool right Mm. so how can you appeal to someone like yourself who thinks a golf r is cool Mm. but then also appeal to you know a a 65 year old guy who wants to buy a daily runaround who just buys the basic spec golf trend line yeah same car pretty much the same car yeah the engine's different and the suspension setups different Mm. whatever right but it essentially it's the same
0: car that's the interesting thing about the golf is i feel like the the golf r it looks so much more sporty even though it's it's legit just a hatchback right it shouldn't it shouldn't look that sporty really like i mean it should but like you you think when you think of a sports car you think of a sedan or a you know a a coupe or something like that but the the hatchback is you know they made a really sporty looking car but then yeah as you're saying you go like to the base model of that same car and it doesn't really look that sporty and it looks like more of a everyday car but they did a really good job with the design language yeah
1: yeah, it's it's baked into mm. the DNA. Like they know they're gonna do a GTI version of that. Mm. They know they're gonna do an R version of that. They, they know they're gonna do that already. And BMW work in the same way. So BMW engineer their cars mm. because they know they're gonna do an M3. They know the three series will have an M3 derivative, you know. So when they when they when they engineer the chassis, they make sure that it's built with a certain stiffness
0: yeah you know yeah um, yeah i've got like my lights the sun the clouds are going in and out and i'm just i thought it was just
1: my eyes because you know it's late and i'm
0: just let's let's wrap this, this up anyway uh, in terms of the future of automotive design what what big changes do you see for the future and like what are you really interested in and you know what what things should people watch in the space in the coming years
1: Oh man, that's that's such a crazy question. Cause like I've had so many discussions recently about that. Mm. Just the other day we were talking about the integration of air taxis mm. and how that might play a part in stuff, but that's a whole other thing. Um like how what to watch in this space. Um oh just I think just watch this space in general, mm. like everyone's trying to figure out what the next generation of vehicles is going to be like, right? We're playing with autonomous, we're playing with electric, we're playing with hydrogen, we're playing with hybrids. Um, Porsche and Ferrari, I think they've just done something with the EU about some to keep industri- uh, in internal combustion engines going mm-hmm. with an e-fuel like a synthetic e-fuel, which I believe doesn't produce any, any greenhouse gases you know so then there's there's that whole thing coming into play there's like there's like this massive melting pot of technologies and potential interior solutions happening right now like some people still want the manual shifter mm. you know some people just want to be like completely hands off mm. um others want high functionality and they want the screens and all the trimmings mm. and then other people was like no i just want simplicity i just mm. prime example okay prime example have you seen the new gordon murray t50 okay so check it out yeah, right yeah. so what what, what, how, is how, how, what is it called gordon murray automotive i think mm. it's called the T- t50 i think so mm. basically if you watch the youtube video um uh of gordon murray explaining what the car is there's no screens on this car. This is a brand new supercar.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. There's no screens on it because Gordon Murray was like he's the he's the designer of the original McLaren F1. Mm. Yeah.
2: McLaren F1. Um, That's a yeah. Good
1: one. So he yeah he yeah. designed and made you know, that. He was ahead the guy leading. Nice looking
0: car. Know. Yeah. yeah so this
1: right. the spiritual supposedly the spiritual successor to the McLaren F1. Mm. You know, same layout, the sort of central seating with. You know, two to seats flanked.
0: Because that's sides. the thing. Like a supercar is meant in my in my eyes is meant to be like the road F one eleven, like the road. I mean, road F eighteen. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a road, um, jet really. So like I don't like it. It should feel like a cockpit of a plane in my opinion. Like yeah, with all the knobs and like you can you know like I feel like that's that's what's cool about it. Yeah, yeah. but these days. That's it's
1: what totally- yeah, that's what he's done. So, so but this is what I'm saying. There's there's two or oh, multiple schools of thought right now. So with mm-hmm. Gordon Murray, he went right no screens. Yeah, you know, manual. He's uh, got manual gauges and mm-hmm. and you've got all the toggle switches or whatever. It's all manual, simple steering wheel, no buttons on the steering wheel, and it's a pure driving experience. Um, I believe it doesn't have power steering either, but it's got like a some kind of torque system at low speed so you can park the car. Yeah, you know, so it's so it's easy to park, but then above I think forty or fifty miles an hour or something like that, you don't have that assistance. You, you don't have power steering in it to keep the weight down.
2: You know, uh, so okay.
1: it's it's really a pure car. You know, yeah. Um. So that's one school of thought, and then you've got what Ferrari's doing. You know, mm. with all the all singing, all dancing. You know, bells and whistles and screens and everything else, mm. and then then you've got the talk of autonomous and all. so you know what i mean to an- i can't answer your question to say you know, what to look out for i just think as an industry we're going through a massive shift mm. you know we're going through a huge shift and and i actually don't know what what we're going to end up with and that's what's really exciting about it mm. yeah. you know, we're heading towards a future where we're just experimenting and we're playing with new ideas and figuring out what Part the car is going
0: to play in the future. Mm. Yeah, it's really exciting. When the yeah. when the Queen's egg stick shift came out, I was like, ah, that's awesome. Like stick shifts. Well, the what? Sorry, you know the um, I don't know what it's called. The quinig the that stick shift. Oh, the Quinzig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The that's quick shift. That's stick shift. Yeah. yeah, like that's such a cool idea. Like th- like these days, you never really see many stick shift um, what's it called? Supercars, but they did it. Yeah. Yeah, managed to yeah. make like what like thousand horsepower car with a stick shift gearbox it's just crazy
1: that's crazy yeah i mean Koenigsegg's like is another level but yeah yeah um yeah so you know may- maybe they'll all coexist yeah maybe all of these things will coexist maybe you'll have a car which is like your daily and it's electric and you charge it at work and it's just kind of boring or whatever it's just your thing you throw the kids in and you throw your yeah. stuff in and you go away and Whatever, right? And then and then maybe there's also a market for the muscle car or the mm. the manual shifter. Yeah. You know, if you want to go out and have a blast.
0: Mm. Yeah. So who knows?
1: Yeah, we don't know. We'll find out. That's what we're here to do, right?
0: That's the exciting part of the design.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
0: just to just to finish up, what advice would you give to aspiring designers, maybe in or design or you know just getting into the field? What advice would you give to them?
1: don't do it no <laughs> um, uh, be curious like just what we said earlier get off google get off pinterest like just go out and do stuff like go and i've got spray paints here man i've got spray paints i've got acrylic paints up you're there tagging the,
0: you're tagging the street <laughs>
1: no nah, just my living room i can't do that anymore. i'm not allowed um, but yeah you know like like go and experiment yeah play with materials, go and play with like, get off the iPad, get off the screen, go and Mm. and do something else, right? Mm. If you've got a hobby, like, you know, whether it's, you know, going out for a bike ride or skateboarding or, Mm. you know, whatever, whatever that is, you know, and and be influenced by those outside factors. Mm. Um, That will be the first thing. And yeah, just put yourself out there. Like, don't be afraid the number one thing is like do not compare yourself to what you see on instagram
2: yeah like, that is,
1: it's, i've seen it like time and again and then people are like oh yeah but you know this guy's so good and like, he's got these really cool sketches and i'm just like yeah but like, you don't know what that person's been through to get to those crazy high quality level sketches mm. you also don't know how long it's taken that person to do it mm. you know Like I've seen people put it on Instagram like just a quick sketch and it's like this super finished sketch. I was like, that's not a quick sketch. (laughs) That's a (laughs) super finished sketch, you know? And it it's so easy to like read that and like, oh my god, that's such a quick sketch. Like, how am I ever gonna do that? Mm. The reality of it is you don't know what that person's been through to get to that point. Yeah, you know won't know what their journey's been you know what their work was like six months ago 12 months Mm. ago five years ago Mm. right so you have to my core piece of advice is yeah so stop comparing yourself to people on instagram and social media and run your own race
0: Mm. compare yourself to the person you are yesterday i love that saying
1: just yeah just no just 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 be like just run your own race like stay your course like think about what you need to do next Mm. how can you better yourself next you know what do you need to work on um discipline yourself like like if you're not good enough right now at something what do you need to do break down the steps like just break mm. it down into baby steps like what do you need to do next mm. and then then do that and then figure out what are the next steps of that and, connect with connect with people, you know, find yourself a mentor or or find yourself someone who's experienced in the industry and, and speak to them and say, you know, what was their journey? Like, what did they mm. do? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's I mean, simply, you know, get out of your own skin, you know, go and go and explore. Um, don't compare yourself to, you know, those on Instagram and on social media. And, uh, and, and, you know, just put yourself out there and, and continue to better yourself.
0: Mm that's great yeah you offer a mentorship program for automotive designers Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, if you're interested maybe reach out i'm sure you'd be happy to take anyone's call or message
1: yeah absolutely thank you yeah for mentioning that so yeah if anyone needs guidance or whatever you know it's more it's not just like here's a tutorial and cool see you later you know like for me it's more about building relationships Mm -hmm. and um it's more like a having a like a PT sessions or if you, mm. if you, if you're playing a sport or something, you've got a coach and it's not, yeah, it's not just about your, your, your skills of sketching or rendering. It's about your lifestyle. Like, mm. like what are you doing in your day to day? You know, how can we build that plan into your lifestyle mm. so that it's not just, Oh, I've got to spend an hour to sketch. You know, it's mm. like, it's a part of your life. Mm. you know it's a fully integrated part of your life and that's mm. what I help people to build you know and that's why it's it's the success rate has been pretty good mm. like just in the last two weeks I've had three people ring me up saying I've got the job you know great. Okay, yeah, for me that's what essentially that's what it's about you know mm. I work full time you know for me it's not about like becoming a millionaire by yeah. doing manage. you know it's about giving something back and mm. so um, Part of the yeah, knowledge as
0: well. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's really yeah, it's really satisfying when when someone's been struggling and and you've been able to to say, look, I think you should do these things over the X amount of time. We'll see how you get on, and we'll chop and change it as we go on go along. Really personalize it, and then you know you get the result, and they get the job, and you're like, mm. cool.
0: Yeah, also in the industry, you know, that's great because you're
1: gonna, I'm gonna probably end up working with some of these people.
0: Yeah yeah so, and I mean if they'll probably respect you much more if they know you're you actually tried you actually help them in that in that initial stage you know yeah
1: you're, you you it. you know you build a relationship with people yeah. and, you know, and that's a friendship that you'll have you know forever
0: mm. you know. exactly oh well, yeah well thank you so much for coming on today sorab, sorab? sorab? It's been sorab? awesome thank How you I for having me so yeah perfect yeah thank you oh.
1: yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah thanks so much yeah. for coming on and it was really great to have a chat I feel like we We got along well and yeah, Uh, I hope to have you back on again soon.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Roman. And uh, yeah, wish you, wish you all the best and hopefully we'll catch up again soon.
0: Yeah. Sounds good, man.
1: All right. Awesome. Take care.